0: Hey, this is Sydney Christ, and I help pastor We Are One based out of Gateway Assembly. I just want to welcome you to this special, darling edition of our podcast. My hope and my prayer is that this will bless and encourage your life as you listen. So grab a cup of tea, and let's get in the Word. Man, I feel like the Lord has given me a message tonight specific to all of you, like from the perspective of the outside looking in, but also like up close and personal, like being in the pasture with all of you, arm in arm, hand in hand. I just feel like the Lord's shown me things, and it's interesting If you weren't here last night, my husband really felt led of the spirit. This holy anger just kind of came out. And that's exactly what I felt the Lord doing in my spirit. I felt like he was showing me and giving me eyes, like, into the spirit realm of things that I could see just, like, from the outside of the pasture looking in, being like, man, there's some things we need to grow in. And the things that he was calling out last night were, like, pride in us and apathy of faith. That all year we've been claiming and putting out this vision, keep us dangerous. And we haven't really lived up to it. Like, have we dug in? Have we dug deeper? We haven't really pushed ourselves. And I've sensed that pride in the room. I've sensed that insecurity in the room. I've sensed, like, a laziness to our faith. To where we've kind of just been like, ah, I'm in the school year. Summer was great. We had the high moments of camp and all the things. But, you know, now I'm just... Whatever, faith is faith. And I felt like the Lord, the word that he was giving me was, we need to get in the trenches tonight. We need to be willing to get deep with God and with one another, and we need to dig in. So I want to just right now get into the message. I want to go for it. There's going to be like a number of points that we talk through. I'll let you go back to your seats in a little bit, but I just want to get into it because I feel like there's a number of things that, you might be like, man, this point really hits home for me. This is it. That's that's what all that the Lord had for me. And you're going to write off the rest of what's coming. But I'm telling you, every single point should hit every single one of you tonight. Because it hits my heart. And that's what the Lord's given me. And so the first point, just as we're in God's presence, is if you're willing, if you're going to be willing to get in the trenches with darlings, you have to be willing to dig deeper. You have to be willing to dig Beyond the surface. And there's been so many opportunities for you this year to dig in deeper with the Lord. I even just look at the vision that my husband has put forth with keep us dangerous in the way that he's preached the book of Acts. Like I've never seen him study the way that he's studied. He has gone above and beyond. Like even on our his off days or the family days, he's like studying and preparing for something, and it's not. Just the messages on a Wednesday night that you're getting. It's like he can't fit it all into a Wednesday night. So then there's extensions, which is on YouTube, and it's digging even beyond what you hear on a Wednesday night, and that's available to you. So he's not, I've never seen even like a youth pastor. Study for their message, and then go beyond. He's writing two messages every week, and it's pretty incredible what the Lord has been doing in him. So he's inviting you into that depth, into that place. And there's things like that, extensions, the Sundays, essentials, which we've done throughout the year to learn how to dig deeper into our word, to steward an atmosphere of prayer, to learn how to evangelize and bring people into that. And we need to take advantage of those things. There's been Bible studies, darling Bible studies, studies for the guys. At camp, we talked about apologetics, learning how to defend our faith when people come after us. And they're like, ah, that's not true. That's not what the word says. Like, how many opportunities have we had to go deeper? And I still, like, I sense a shallowness in girls today. And, and I don't know if that's, like, truly because of the social media culture that we're a part of that, we so easily have an escape from reality that we don't really have to dig in in reality because we can quickly escape to something else, some other world. Or if it's the culture that the world has created where it's all about self, it's self-promotion, self-centeredness, it's self-love, like do what makes you feel happy and it doesn't matter about anybody else. And I feel like it's so sad because we've lost an awareness for other people because of that. Like, that is not who Jesus Christ is calling us to be as believers. The church, the bride, the women of God that he's coming back for are not women who lack spiritual depth. I'll tell you that. He's not coming back for a lukewarm church. The Bible is very, very clear about that. And what I sense in this room is like a flame going out. So tonight, I just want to challenge you, if you feel like there's even a spark left, would you fan that into flame tonight so that it can be something that cannot be reckoned with? And if you're like, oh man, I just showed up and I don't even feel like I have a spark left, then let the Spirit spark something in you tonight and say, tonight, I'm going to lean in. I'm going to take notes. I'm going to be ready to receive what the Lord has for me because I want, I'm want i done with this. I'm ready to dig deeper. We can not We can't keep doing it. Not the way that the world's going. It's getting too messed up we have no other choice but to dig in. So before we get into the night, I just want to pray, and then we'll keep going and getting into things. But Lord, I just thank you so much for who you are. I thank you for your presence. Lord, I thank you that we can come together and see it as a privilege. Lord, I I just pray, that is my heart tonight, that we would not take for granted what we have in this room, that we would not take for granted the sisters to our left and to our right and all around us. Lord, that we'd be ones who hunger for more of you, that we hunger for community, that we hunger for depth, that we don't want to be shallow like the rest of the culture, but we want to be people of depth. We want people to see something different in us when they come up and they say, man, what's different about that group of girls? I sense something deeper, and I just have to be a part of it. Lord, I pray that you would just fan into flame those sparks that are just flickering right now. They're about to go out. Lord, would tonight be something that just fans it into this huge fire for the ones who feel like it's already gone out. Lord, would you spark something in their spirit as they lean in. Lord, we love you. You're worthy of that depth of a relationship with. So would you help us steward that tonight. We love you, Lord. We just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well... We're in it. As you head back to your seats, why don't you hug, like, three darlings and tell them, are you ready to get in the trenches tonight? Because Sid's not messing around. Not messing around. So, we are in the peak of fall season, and I've been thinking a lot about the weather. And I've told you all before, like, I'm an all seasons girl. I'm here for it. I love the color changing. I love, obviously, try, as Jillian presented last night. She said, I am try. I don't know if I'd go that far, but I'll take it. I can handle being try, I guess. Uh, I love the pumpkins. I love the cider. I love all the things, but. The one thing that I've been missing lately is the sun. Like, what happened? I feel like we hit the fall switch, and it's, like, rain, rain, clouds. Where's the sun? It's kind of, like, making me El Depresso because I like the seasons, but give me some sun. Like, if it's going to be cold, I still need to, like, look outside and think it's 70, and you walk out and you're smacked in the face, but at least you still see the sunshine in the sky. Like, give me a little bit of sun. And I think my boys need it, too, because they're, like, they got the outside love from me. My husband's like, eh, he could do without it. But I just, like, want to be outside. So all summer long, like, the minute they wake up, they're, like, out the door. Can we get on the trampoline? Usually with half the amount of clothing that they're supposed to be wearing. And I... Pray for my neighbors because um, I'm sure they've seen more than they want to see. And I'm like, dudes, if you're going to be outside, it requires pants, underwear, specifically, all the things. They just don't get it. They're ready to get outside. And they are like boys to the core. Like to the core, Lord, what are you doing? I know he knows what he's doing. But I'm like, boys to the core. They want to be in the dirt and they want to be in the mud. And they are grabbing shovels and things and digging up pieces of our yard that should never be dug up and i'm like why we already have the bumpiest world known to man if you take like a lawn mower over it you're like literally like feel like you got to work out because it just is that way so now we have all these extra divots of chunks of grass that no longer exist there because the boys dug things up they dig up my flowers they dig up our neighbors flowers they find worms I'm not a worm girl. Like, even if we go fishing, I don't want to do that part. And Zealand. like, he's honestly surprised me this summer because he's usually, like, my clean, like, the minute I'm soiled, I need to change my outfit, I need to wash my hands. But he's, like, the one coming up with all these worms to show me how big they are. And I just have to stand there and, like, yay for you. I'm so glad you found a worm that needs to stay outside. He recently brought in, like, a ladybug and was like, I found this. And I'm like, yeah, they're everywhere right now. I'm not sure why. And then I hear down the hallway, oh, they fly. That's on your ceiling. I'm like, then they go back outside because that's where they belong. But they just love to dig, dig up things. And this summer we were at the beach one day. So, of course, had to bring all of the tools for the beach, like the sandcastle maker and the shovels and the things, because I'm someone, it was like 75, kind of like my perfect day, it's like not too hot, not too cold, just right, and um, I'm like, I'm gonna be sitting on the beach for a while, because I don't get in the water unless I'm dripping sweat, because I'm the person that turns into an ice cube, no matter the temperature of the water, so I just prepared to like build some sand castles with whoever would build them with me, and I'm like, all right, let's do this, so We start building these sandcastles, and we're digging into the sand, and I'm like, man, this is kind of rough sand. It's not like smooth sand, which I guess when you're building a sandcastle, you probably don't want the nice, like, soft sand that moves when you touch it, and you can write your name in very easily, because you can't make a sandcastle. It just kind of plops. We're like, we'll work with what we've got. So we're digging in, digging in, and we get into this kind of, like, clay, and we're like, well, whatever. I guess we'll just make our thing. So we make the sand castle and we start like digging around it and the boys are like, What are you doing? What, we made our castle, what are you doing? I'm like, well, we need a moat. We need a trench around it, you know, to protect it from the bad guys. So nobody can They're like, bad guys, yeah, we need to protect it. I'm like, okay, don't wreck the castle that we just built. We have to you know build the moat. So we're digging, digging, and they don't get it. Zion's flying sand in his eyes, all of the things. I'm like, oh no, sand's in places that it shouldn't be. And they're just digging away. And they didn't understand that you have to like, dig deep for the water to actually do something. Because they would dig a little bit, they'd grab a bucket full of water, and they'd dump it on And they're like, oh, it's all gone. And I'm like, well, you have to dig it deeper. So we're digging, we're digging. And I'm like, OK, I think we're finally to the right depth. It needs to be kind of tight, narrow. We dump it in. And they're like, whoa, because the water goes in. you know, goes back to the lake. And then they stomped all over the castle, and that was that. And we had a good day at the beach. It was fun. But digging trenches really reminds me of Elisha in the Bible. From 2 Kings, Elisha in the Bible. And you might hear of the name Elijah. Say Elijah. Elijah. We're talking about Elisha tonight. Who he prayed following Elijah. He prayed for a double portion of Elijah's spirit. Double the miracles. Like he saw the anointing on his life, and he wanted to say, like, I want that, but I want more of that. So he was digging in. We're talking about him. Like if you heard the song, Rattle, like just ask the man who was thrown on the bones of Elisha. We're talking about Elisha, not Elijah tonight. But during the time of Elisha, there was a drought. So this, these kings, they're marching their armies. They're marching them through this desert for days, and they have no water There's no water for their men. There's no water for the cattle that follow them. And they're getting exhausted. They're getting parched. So they're in desperate need, and the Lord speaks to Elisha, and he tells him, Thus says the Lord, Make this valley full of trenches. For thus says the Lord, You shall not see wind, nor shall you see rain. Yet that valley shall be filled with water, so that you shall drink both you and your cattle and your beasts. This was an unusual promise from God. He's saying, get ready to dig. You need to get your shovels, and you need to start digging. You need to get in the dirt and wait for the water to come. But I'm I'm not sending any rain. I'm not sending any wind. And they're like, so we're going to dig. They're kind of like looking up in the sky. They don't see any rain clouds. And they're like, Oh, are you kidding me? The last, I'm hot. I'm sweaty. They're honestly probably being a bunch of girls about it. And they're like, I don't want to dig. I've been marching for days. I have no water. And you're asking me to dig this trench, but you're not even going to send rain. So yeah, like how are these things going to fill up with water? And they're out there and they're like oh, grumbling, complaining because they can't see what God's doing. They can't see that God's saying, You dig and I'm going to provide. All they see is, This is hard work. I want to do hard work. I just want the thing that I want. He's telling them, Dig in and it will come. And this is a crucial part of God's plan. But they're like, We're kind of going off of the word of this newly appointed prophet. Like, who is this guy, anyways? Do we trust, trust what Elisha's even saying? He's telling us, The Lord's saying, Dig these trenches, but man, if we do all this digging and there is no water, was it worth anything? But God promised to send it. He said, you dig, you do the work, and I will provide and meet the need. Because when we dig ditches, when we're willing to dig, God will fill a space that only he can fill. He will. And when God does ask us to dig a trench, there's not always a cloud on the horizon, We don't always get to see the way that he's going to fulfill the promise. We just have to trust. And as we're putting the work in, we might not fully understand it. And that's why Paul felt the need to encourage the church of Corinth. In 1 Corinthians, he said, Throw yourselves into the work of the master, confident that nothing you do for him is a waste of time or effort. Paul reminds us that nothing that we do for the Lord is ever useless. If we dig in in faith, if we trust, like, God said it, I'm going to do it. We have to be that willing that if it doesn't make sense, we're still doing it because God asks us to do it. It's like the parent mentality, just do it because I said so. Pastor Luke recently preached a message on that, do it because I said so. God said it, you dig it, you wait. And when we're expectant of God's blessing, that anticipation positions us to do hard work that obedience gives us grace to do the work that it is required so what would have happened if they got out there and they're like i just don't feel like doing it i don't see i'm gonna wait till a cloud comes and then i'll start digging but i'm just not feeling it i'm not gonna do it well then when the lord brought the water it just would have spilled out all over the land and it would just wash right past them and that is so like what people do in their life with Jesus. They just wait and they watch his blessings wash away because they didn't put in the work, they didn't put in the time, they didn't put in the effort to steward his presence. They were just like, "Oh, I'm going to wait till things look like they make sense. I'm going to wait wait till it looks a little more appealing." But if you don't want to miss out on the blessings of God, you've got to dig beyond the surface with your trench mates, with the sisters of Christ that are sitting around you right now. You have to dig beyond the surface. And it feels exhausting. It feels draining. It feels just like they probably were feeling in the desert about digging in. When we're we're talking about building new relationships with people, it's not easy. It takes some work. And it feels like, what's the return? I put my heart on the line, and it gets stomped on every time. But it should be different when we come into the family of God. We should have a willingness to risk that, to be vulnerable with one another. But we also have to be a trustworthy person. That if someone's going to open up with us, if someone's going to dig deep with us, they're going to get beyond the shallowness that we get at school, that we get at work, that we get from everyone else. Then you have to be someone who's trustworthy with what they are telling you. If they're going to entrust you, you be trustworthy. And I just feel that so much in my spirit. Like when we've been asked to carry out that empty task in the desert, you got to dig in. You got to go beyond the surface before it makes sense to dig. Because when the enemy comes marching in and he's ready to attack, and you're like, oh, shoot, where's my shovel? I got to find it. I don't know. Oh, it's in my hand. I haven't done anything with it. You're not ready for battle that's coming. But he's always waiting. He's always waiting. So you need to do the prep in advance when you don't see it and you're like, oh, everything's good in my life. I'm fine. Nothing's really to complain about. You do the digging then so that when the attacks come, there's a trench waiting for you. We've got to break down walls. I think practically what it looks like to dig in with one another is just saying, I'm going to share my life with you. I'm not going to hold back the hard things and just tell you my favorite coffee drink that I love chai tea and my favorite color is yellow and I would ride horses with you any day of the week. I'm going to tell you the hard things, the things that I'm struggling with, the things that God's refining me in. And that's where the depth is created. We have to break through those barriers and those walls. I think sometimes digging a trench before um, you see good reason for it is that by faith you're believing that the promise is coming. And I just think back to a season when Pastor Steve and Janelle were fighting to get pregnant. And they thought, and they thought, they're like, Lord, I know that you've called us to build our family, but why is this not happening? For years they felt that. And I remember, like, Pastor Steve just went ahead and built a bassinet, Sometimes it looks like building a bassinet before there's anything to put in that bassinet. Sometimes it's getting on your knees in prayer and just fighting for the things that the Lord has promised you with. It's the reason that we have a little onesie hanging in our room that says God's answered prayer because we believe that God's not done building our family. So we have that as a reminder to dig in. When we don't see it, when the doctors are saying it's not possible, we're going to dig in anyways. Sometimes it's a matter of faith. And I think about, like, the World Wars. Trenches were really a thing mostly in, like, World War I, World War II. It kind of was a done thing after that. But why didn't they spend time building all these barricades above the surface? Like, why didn't they build these giant walls and they built trenches? It's because technology at the time, with, like, machine guns and long-range artillery and all of those things, it was very hard to advance advance across open ground. So they had to get creative. They had to figure out ways to advance against the enemy. And it wasn't until they dug below the surface that they actually, this fly, I'm sorry. He really wants me. But it wasn't until after they dug below the surface that they could have extensive advancement against the enemy. So when we say that we're going to dig trenches together, it doesn't mean that above ground we're going to build. It's not going to be something that's all frilly for people to see that you got all these new friends to take pictures with on laps and you're like, wow, look at my friends. You can visibly see that I have community. It's going to be like when we dig below the surface, when we have real talk and real conversation. Because when you're above ground and you're in like no man's land and you're trying to figure things out, you're most susceptible to attack. It's in the trenches that we're hidden from the enemy. It's when we get down low in that place of humility. And we dig down and we say, I'm going to jump in this thing and I'm going to be protected. Because Satan is at a disadvantage when we hide ourselves away in Christ. Girls today, they live to be seen. Everything that they do is to be seen. Social media, the things that they put out there, the less amount of clothing that they wear, the way that they try to get boys' attention— It's all to be seen because the world tells you that the more that you put out there, the more that you're seen, the greater the advantage that you're at. But in trench war, soldiers want to stay hidden. It's because they know that when they get beneath the surface, they are the ones at the advantage. When they're kneeling, Pastor Dave talked about this last night, when you're kneeling, you're in that position of humility. You're in a position now of authority Because the enemy thinks that he's won when you're down there. He's like, oh yeah, they're weaker, they can't get up, they can't attack. But when you're in that position of humility, that's when you have strength. That's when the Lord empowers you. The Lord gives you strength. And Psalm 32, 5 says, you are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. Psalm 17, hide me in the shadow of your wings. We are are hiding ourselves before God, not from God. It's not like Adam and Eve in the garden when they knew they had sinned and they ran and they hid from God. We're hiding ourselves before God. And to hide in Christ means to be separated completely from the world's way of thinking and living. It's like the world's out there, but we're part of a completely different kingdom, a completely different culture, a completely different world system than what we're living here on earth. It means to dwell on his word and truth, to worship, to fellowship. That's what's happening tonight when we come together in sisterhood. It means to pray continually. To hide yourself in Christ means to continually be in communication with the one that you're connected to. Sometimes it means like that daily taking up our cross, daily focusing in on the things of God rather than the things that distract us. So that could be cutting off friendships that you know are just toxic in your life. It could be unfollowing people on social media that maybe they're not inherently bad. It's, they post great things. They love the Lord, but everything they post, you want to buy. And so everything you see, you're like, oh, I just got a new dresser last year, but I need a new one now because the style changed and it's so stinking cute. Or they come out with a new cute version of everything like a crock pot that I want to spend $1,000 on just because it looks cute on your countertop. Sometimes you need to unfollow people like that because they're (laughs) stewarding your money in the wrong way. They're influencing you in the wrong way. Maybe it's music. And you're like, oh, this was me when I first came here. I remember talking with my youth pastor at the time, and I was like, what's the big deal with music? I just like a good beat, like I want to get down. And he's like, it's more about like the words, And honestly, some days those old bops come back on, I'm like, what was I listening to? What did my mom let me listen to? Holy cow. It was not good stuff. And that's because what's going into your ears gets into your heart. And that becomes an overflow, and it's rubbing off on you and you don't realize it. So those things, when you choose to hide in Christ, you're hiding away from those things. You're saying, I'm going to bury myself into the things of God. I'm going to bury myself into the things that he says are for me, not what this world's offering me. Because what they're offering me does not last. And so when we're hidden in the trenches, trenches are like eight feet deep. They're quite a bit below the ground. There's not much else to see in those trenches besides the walls that are on the left and the right because you're focused and you're narrowed in. Getting in the trenches requires you to measure proximity, to measure proximity because trenches are deep and they're long. You know, we were teaching Zealand and Zion at the beach. They have to be long and they have to be deep in order to hold any water. But they're also narrow and they're tight. The word says "Why does the road to destruction and narrows the way that leads to life. We have to position ourselves intentionally because proximity is everything when we're coming to Jesus Christ. You have to be clo- up close with him in order for this to work. You can't just say I serve him and never sit at the table with him and get to know him. You have to be in close proximity. I think, like, even if Pastor Dave was like, let's go out to dinner. You're going to sit there, and I'm going to sit here. I'm sure he'd love that, just some peace and quiet. I might like the mental quiet space at times. We're not building a relationship. We're not growing a relationship unless we're in close proximity. And being in the trenches means that we are there to protect our teammate. It's for more than ourselves. We're there to defend, we're there to support, and we're there to surround. And I was talking with Kevin Spearing, one of our leaders, before this message, and I'm like, hey, Kev, I'm talking a little bit about war. He was in the Marines, and I'm like, were you ever in a trench? He's like, well, I was in a foxhole, which is similar, but they didn't really do trenches after, like, World War II. But trench, uh, the foxholes were very similar, just a smaller space. And it was a tight space, just like a trench, that they would dig out for, like, two or three men and they would hide in those, had to be at least as deep as the shoulders that you could easily tuck and be covered. A lot of times they'd use that dirt that they dug out with to build like a berm around it as extra protection when they stood up from the enemy. But they had people in the trench with them to cover their back so that if it was two of them in there, they're like, I've got this 180, and I'm looking out, and I'm constantly watching, but I know that my partner's got my back, and he's doing the same, and he's covering me. And they used to do this thing called cover fire. So when they're out there and they're like going after the enemy, all these things, they need to reload. They call out and they're saying reloading, reloading. And their partner says cover fire. It means that when you're vulnerable, when you're weak, when you're reloading and you're more susceptible to attack, I'm your cover. I'm firing for you. And they had to be so in sync in communication to know that we better not be reloading at the same time because we're both under attack then. We're going to have each other's back. We're in this trench together. And I think like if I was talking to the guys, they're like, not so much about close proximity physically, they're like, ah, that's not for me. Girls, I can honestly say we're probably okay with physical proximity. It's why we have sleepovers. It's why we're down with hugs. It's why we smother each other at times because we're okay with the physical closeness. Maybe not all of you. Maybe that's not you. But generally, girls are okay with the physical proximity. It's the spiritual and emotional proximity that is very rare, very unwilling to create a depth Beyond to create a proximity there that says you're in my trench and I need you to know everything about me because we're on this battleground fighting together, we're in this together. And in preparing for war, when they were digging for digging trenches, this was a job that had to get done rain or shine. It wasn't something. That was like oh it's raining time to stop no the enemy's coming and marching in we don't have a choice whether or not to dig we are on a mission and we're gonna dig digging means that we're not only willing to do the hard work but we're willing to get dirty while we're doing it it means that we don't bail when things get hard hard topics come up we press in It means we ask tough questions. We get up close and personal. Even if it ruffles some feathers at times, we have to be willing to press in and dig deep. It means that you ask questions. You ask that friend who just went through a breakup a month ago. You ask her how she's doing. You don't just in fear be like, well, I don't want to bring him up because then what if she thinks about him and what if it makes it worse? Just ask her. She's not okay. Ask your friend who just lost their dad three months ago how they're doing. You know that death anniversary is coming up and they're struggling, but no one talks about it. They're just like, oh, yeah, that happened. Better not bring it up because what if she feels more sad and I just brought it up and blah, blah, blah. We create all these excuses. Why not to go deep when we're literally walking around begging for people to ask? Ask someone who's in a long season of singleness how they're doing. They might hate you for a second because it's an annoying question when you're in that season, but care. Tell them you see them, and you're proud of them for waiting for God's best and not bailing out. Ask the ones who are waiting for a promise how they're doing because we just walk around and we assume that everyone's okay and they're not. They're not okay, and they feel like no one else cares. They're like, yeah, I I did try to open up, and I told them, you know, that I'm heartbroken and I'm sad, but they really have never asked me about it since. They never check in. We have to be sisters that are willing to go the distance, willing to get a little bit muddy at times, willing to ask questions that make us uncomfortable, go places in conversations that we don't want to go because we don't honestly know what to say besides, how are you doing since the breakup? Shoot, I have nothing else. Just listen. Just listen. Listen. Let them talk. We don't always have to be the advice givers or have a scripture on hand. We just need to be someone who's willing to get in the trenches and listen. Say, I'm here with you. I'm fighting. When you feel vulnerable, when you feel raw, I'm with you in it. I'm here to lift your arms. I'm here to fight for you. I'm your cover fire. Don't be afraid to get dirty. Being in close proximity means fighting for each other because there's an enemy who's ready and more than willing to take us out. He's ready. He's watching. And he's like, it's fine by me if you don't fight. Fine by me if you don't prepare. He's ready to take you out. If you're gonna get in the trenches, you have to recognize that you're at war. Three, two,
1: three, four. Hey. Two, three, four. Oh two three four L. two three four, I. Two, three, four. two three four two three four 3 Two, three, four. She's ninety-two. She Praise till her knees are black and blue. Praise till her knees are black and blue. Oh, Granny, she's ninety-three. My old Granny, she's ninety-three. She reads the word and drinks her tea. Reads the word and drinks her tea. My old Granny, she's ninety-four. My old Granny, she's ninety-four. She shares the gospel, knock, knock, knocking on doors. She shares the gospel, knock, knocking on doors. My my old granny, she's 95. she pay tithes until she dies. She's gonna pay tithes until she dies. My old granny, she's 96. My old granny, she's 96. The gates of hell ain't got no grips. Gates of hell ain't got no grips. My old granny, she's 97. My old granny, she's 97. She danced her way right into heaven. She danced her way right into heaven. She met the Lord at the pearly gates. She met the Lord at the pearly gate. Oh. Oh sweet Jesus, I hope I'm not late. The enemy smiled at her with a grin. enemy smiled at her with a grin. She said, get down, devil, and give me 10. Get down, devil, and give me (laughs) 10. At
0: ease, soldiers. Thank you very much. Give it up for these ladies. You can take your seats. It's a different kind of war in here. You know what I mean? We got grannies going to war. We got some interesting sergeants up here sounding off. It's all good. If you're going to get in the trenches, you have to recognize that you're at war. And we've been talking all year long about living dangerously. Keep us dangerous. It's literally the motto of the year. I can't think of something else that is more dangerous than war. I think of the people in Israel right now. And I think of the craziness that they're having to endure. They're saying this is the deadliest of five Gaza Strip wars. And at the 16-day mark, the death toll was at 4,651. With over 200 hostages and over 15,000 injured. These people are massacring entire families in their homes. They killed thousands and thousands of young people at a music festival that they showed up to have a good time and they were massacred. They are kidnapping elderly women, children, and entire families who are now being held hostage and wondering, is today going to be my last day? Cities buildings, homes are all being destroyed, and it's absolutely terrifying. Sounds like a dangerous place to be. But the war that we're facing against Satan is one beyond physical means because we're not at war over land. We're not at war over territory, over gold, over oil, over fuel. This is a war over our souls. Our souls are at stake And now, more than ever, the enemy's gearing up. He's getting out his best machine guns, grenades. He's got every missile ready to take you out, to defeat you, deceive you, steal your joy, steal your purity, steal your mind. But we can't just suit up in these army greens and go out with our missiles. Because as Paul says, he writes to the Corinthians, this is not a war won with weapons of the world. So you can go out there with your grenades and your bombs and all your things, your AK-47. I don't even know all these terms. Just throwing them out there. Machine guns, probably all I know. But if you go out there and you're like, I'm going to take out the devil with this, it's not going to work because that's not the kind of war that we're in. And yeah, Paul, when he wrote this, he faced lots of physical opposition. He faced plenty of it, more than we've faced, I can guarantee it. But he knew that there was an enemy orchestrating all of the chaos in the spiritual realm. He knew that he was the one stirring up the opposition. And he had to call him out for what it was. So once you understand that you're at war, you need to have a strategy to win. There's no army general, I can guarantee it, that is going to go out to his troops, just hand them a bunch of weapons and say, have at it. Have your pick, what do you want today? A grenade, a bomb, take your pick. Untrained men, there's not a chance that he's gonna take troops out there that don't know what they're doing. It takes months, it takes years of preparation. For the army in specific, it's 10 weeks of boot camp, six months to a year of advanced training for their special fields and then maybe they're deployed. Kevin said for the Marines it's 13 weeks and then he spent a few months doing combat training and all these things and another six months before he was actually sent out to do anything. It's because they understand that they need to get their troops ready. There is a readiness before you step into battle and it's time to wake up because we're already at war. Satan's already after us. The army's out there practicing drills, scenarios, like, what happens if this, blah, blah, blah. It's not just like, oh, let's wait and figure that out when it comes. It's like, no, I need to figure that out now because in the moment, I'm not going to know what the heck to do. And the enemy's definitely on me then. But I don't have a plan. It's why Paul points out to the Ephesians in chapter 6, put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. The enemy already has a strategy to take you out. He's ready to steal, kill, and destroy. The word says that his native tongue, his native language is lies. He's gonna get to you through deceit, through doubt. And the funny thing is that he lays all his weapons out for you to see. He doesn't care if you know. He steals our joy. He steals our purity through temptation through disappointment through depression through pleasure he kills truth with lies and counterfeit he creates doubt in us deceit confusion accusation pain isolation it's how he starts to slowly kill us and he destroys our relationships through things like unforgiveness he destroys our hope through things like fear He destroys our confidence through delays at times. And he destroys our self-worth by getting us to focus on all the wrong things. But he doesn't care if you see his battle planned. Because in the end, he thinks that he's won. But Paul keeps writing, chapter 6, For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. But against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so that you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then, after battle, you will still be standing firm. Paul understood what kind of war he was in. He knew that every battle with Jesus was already won, It's why he told us to suit up with every piece of armor, with truth, with righteousness, with the gospel of peace, peace, with faith, with the hope of salvation, with the word of God, and with prayer. When we suit up with those things, the devil doesn't stand a chance. Before we even step foot on the battleground, Jesus has won and declared victory. What the enemy doesn't know is that when we go to war with Jesus, we win every time. Not him. He goes before us to fight our enemies. My Bible says that let not my enemies triumph over me. We are more than conquerors through him. He will swallow up death in victory. He has overcome the world, he has defeated death in the grave. And the horse may be ready, made ready for the day of battle, but victory rests with the Lord. That's what my Bible says. It doesn't say the enemy wins it says in the end he's thrown into the lake of fire so when we take time and we prepare now we're entering into a winning battle but if God says dig a trench and we don't see a rain cloud and we're not on board we're under attack the enemy's got us he's deceiving us He's tricking you into thinking that all the things that you see that these other girls have, it looks like they live this Instagram perfect life. They're on vacation every day of the week. I don't know how they do it, but they lure you into, into thinking, I need to be this influencer, or I need to spend my time doing this. If I don't grow my social media feed or get my influence and my voice out there and me, 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 then I'm not going to win the battle that the culture's telling me to fight. But we're at a different battle when we come into God's kingdom. We're fighting for more than just us. It has to be about the girls in the room that you're also fighting for your teammates, your trench mates, your troops. You have to fight for them. Can you three hop up here real quick? I just need a few girls. I'm gonna have them hop right up here and show you visibly what it looks like when we step into what God has already created us to be. He tells us when we're on our own, we can easily be attacked. If Leighton's just over here, I'm the enemy, I could push her off here. I'm not going to, but it wouldn't, wouldn't be too hard. But God has wired us to link arms. So when they link arms, they are a force to be reckoned with. When they link arms, it's going to take a lot more work for that enemy to get through. He can't just walk up with his same old schemes, his same old tactics, because When she's feeling weak, I'm feeling strong. And she's linked to me. And I'm linked to the word. And we're linked to Jesus. And he's linked to the father. And they're linked to the winning team. So when we choose to fight the battle of our mind and say, when we say, I can do this on my own. No, you can't. You have to be linked. Because that's where the strength comes from. Like if I'm pulling, we're strength together. I could bring every single one of you up here. Right? No football team getting through us. If we stack us four deep and we're standing there, we can link. We're strong together. We're stronger together. Thanks, girls. You can take a seat. God has wired us and created us that way. What I think is so unique about war is it has its own culture, it's a completely different world than the average day to day. They've got extensive training, the boot camp we talked about. They've got a code of conduct. They've got a dress code. Kevin was telling me in detail, like, it had to measure to the eighth of an inch. Their ribbon had to be, like, in parallel with the pocket corner and all these things. Their, their um, rankings and all these things have to be perfectly in line. And he got so into it. There was, like, books that he was studying to learn and just keep everything in pristine because they knew when they wore it. What they represented, that they represented something bigger. But war had this own culture. It's been this way since the beginning of civilization, its own songs, its own monuments, its own way of doing things, literature, all of the things. And as believers, we're of a completely different world. We're in the same world as everyone else, but when we link to Jesus, we're of a different kingdom and of a different culture. So it's made me think a lot, like what does the culture of darling look like? What is the culture? When people come in from the outside, what do they see? Do they see us the same as every other catty group of girls, every drama-filled group of girls who can't get over themselves enough to link arms together? they see a bunch of independent women when they walk in who is all about just doing their own thing? Or do they see sisters who fight for one another? Remember when I first came here? I first came uh, to Gateway and the thing that drew me in the most was family. Like it truly was a family when you walked in. People hungered to be together. They did everything together. Went after church to Wendy's or wherever. Hung out. Then went to someone else's house for a bonfire. Sat around. talked, Talked about real things. Talked about deep things. And that was the culture that was created. It was so different than the culture that I was getting at school because at school I tried desperately to step in here I tried desperately to step in there and I just couldn't fit. It wasn't a fit because the minute things got hard those people bailed on you. But what I felt in the church was people who stuck around. People who dug in and people who cared and man, I just look out and I wonder like have we lost that? There's something that was so special that like Pastor Dave said last night, are we taking that for granted? Has our focus shifted? We've been studying the book of Acts all year. And the thing, their highest priority was being together. It was being united. And I want so badly for that to be what's said of Darling, for that to be what's said of this room, that we would recognize what we have together. We wouldn't take it for granted. You know, there's clubs and there's sports and there's work friends and there's... Uh, online friends, I guess. There's gym friends and all the things. And it's not that those things are bad. It's just about what we do with it. We have to be the ones bringing them into this house. Building this house. This culture. Not the reverse. Because the apostles, they went out and they set demons, people free of demons. You know what they did after that? They brought those people in. They went out and they fed the hungry. And they clothed the poor. And they brought them in. They healed the sick and they brought them in because they recognized that what they had, the unity that the Lord had given them, was a weapon that could not be trifled with. It didn't stand a chance against the enemy because they were so unified. And it wasn't exclusive. They weren't like, oh, we got a good thing here, don't bring anyone else in. It was like, you want it? You want Jesus? Come on in. There's enough for everybody. It's not like, oh, I can only have 10 people over, so sorry, but you didn't make the cut this time. It's like, come on over. The doors are open. That was what was different when I came here. It wasn't a bunch of clicks. It wasn't a bunch of people saying, oh, sorry, I only get to have this many people over. Yeah, sometimes that might be the case. Your mom's rules. I get it. But people were just like Inclusive. They invited everybody to be a part of something. Didn't matter if they played chess and you were the star basketball player. Didn't matter if they liked video games and you love to do your makeup every single day. People just connected and they found common ground in Christ. And as we were designing this merch, I really wanted to find a way to capture the culture that I desire for Darling. And Club Chico was the best way that I could think to describe that because it's a girl's club that is safe. It's inclusive. It thinks about other people. It's different than any other club that you think of in the world. Any other club that's exclusive because it's raw and it's real and it's intentional and they're willing to walk through the mud together. They're willing to get down deep, get a little bit of mud on them to ask hard questions. They don't give up when things get hard. They dig deep. They press in. They fight together, and they go to battle together. We hide ourselves in Christ, and we attack the enemy together because we were never, ever meant to do this on our own. When Kevin was explaining the foxholes, he was talking about how you get in with two or three people. But there was times where he had to be in those foxholes alone, and they weren't built for just one person. So when he was in there by himself, he's questioning things like, am I doing this right? Was that someone over there? You're constantly paranoid and you're looking around and you're more worried and fear overcomes you and you're scared and you're like, I don't know if I could take the enemy on if they charge for me. When you got someone who's in that hole with you, in the trench with you, you feel like you can take on the world because that's how it was designed. That trench wasn't made just for one person. It was made for an army to be in close proximity together. So when we wear this, just like the army represent, they put on that um, uniform and they wear it with pride because they know who they're representing. And they have strict orders to follow. Your hair needs to be cut like this. You need to act like this, talk like this. Sure, it's different on the base camp when they're around all the guys, but they represent something. When they come back from war, people can tell that they've been in war. Kevin said, When I came back, people were like, Oh, you were just in war, weren't you? Like you could, it's on them. They can see that culture on them. So this is figurative, but when you wear this, think of who you're representing. What kind of club are we representing? Are we representing a Jesus club, an inclusive club, where we invite people in, where they feel safe, where they feel like they can come in here with their hair down and their makeup off and be like, oh, this is what I'm going through. Life sucks and I don't know what to do about it. And we can be like, that's okay. We're going to fight with you. Here's what truth says. Here's what God says. Or are we going to be every other caddy group of girls? We're going to wear this and we're going to snub people and we're going to say they're not good enough. They'll never come to Christ. They're too far gone. Or are we going to fight for people? We're going to bring them in. Cause Tonight, just like last night, Pastor Dave's like, I'm not messing around. We're not leaving here until the culture's shifted, till something changes, till we dig in. And that can be with you personally, with the Lord, and you feel like I've just been way off. I've been so shallow, and tonight I just need to get on my face, and I need to dig deep with the Lord. Or maybe we need to grow in close proximity with some people. We're going to press in. We're going to press in because the enemy's done gaining ground tonight. I'm not letting him advance anymore. We're going to link arms, and I'm going to fight for you. Will you fight for me? Will you fight for each other? I want to press in. So we're in a minute, I'm going to pray. Then we're going to come forward. We're going to have a response time. And you can stand. You can kneel, you can get out your journal and write out your thoughts, you can sing, you can have a conversation with somebody if you just need to let things out and be like, Oh, I've been holding all this in and I haven't told anyone because I felt like I could do this on my own, but I recognize that I can't. So would you bow your heads with me? Tonight, some of you need to pick up the shovel and dig. You need to start digging, you need to start somewhere. Don't get out your sand toys, you need a shovel. To break through ground stop being so scared of what's going to get overturned that when you dig in we're digging up roots we're digging up rocks we're digging up nasty things you don't want to touch it because you've buried it for so long but tonight you need to, to get rid of all that filth you need to throw it out of the trench you need to dig deep with the Lord you need to admit that your trenches are shallow some of you need to have faith to believe the things that the Lord has spoken to you, and you're giving up on that. need to build that bassinet before the baby comes. Whatever that thing is that you're waiting for, you feel like God has promised you a future and a family and ministry or whatever, dig in. God spoke it. You dig it. He will fill it. He will fill the space as he asks you to dig. Some of you need to get some cozy up to neck. Get cozy yourself up next to some sisters. Need to get in the mud. Need to gain some proximity. You gotta let people in. Let them into the mess. Fight for each other. Maybe you need to be someone who zips their lips, and people come to you all the time, and they tell you all these things, but you're ruining your reputation because you don't you don't let them confide in you. When they come to you, they're confiding in 20 other people because you can't just help but share their knowledge, the knowledge that you just got from them. You need to be a trustworthy person. You're going to say, I'm going to commit that when a sister opens up with me, when she's putting her heart on the line, when she's risking that vulnerability, I'm going to show her that it's worth it because that's what this club's all about. For others, it's time to recognize that you're at war. You know the enemy's after you. He's laid his weapons out in plain sight and he said, I'm coming for you and you can see it, people have spoken into it and you've just ignored it you haven't been preparing for battle there's no plan of action the enemy's marching in and you can see him but your trenches aren't dug because you haven't cared there's been a laziness, a lackadaisicalness to you and tonight you need to take back that victory that the Lord gives you in him He's already given you the victory. So each of you know what that thing is. And as I pray, you with open hands, say, Lord, speak to my heart. If I need to dig, then show me the the shovel. Tell me how deep, how deep do I need to dig, Lord? Not why do I need to dig, how deep? If I need to draw in close proximity with people, then show me. Show me how to do it. I'm scared. I'm scared, but I want my sisterhood to be worth something. I want it to be raw. I want it to be real. Some of you, it's time to just suit up, battle up. Say, I have not even been aware that there's this spiritual battle going on around me. So let's pray, and we're going to come forward, and we're going to let the Lord minister to us. Jesus, I just thank you so much for what you're doing in this room. Lord, what you started cultivating last night. Lord, I thank you for your spirit. Lord, I thank you that you care so much for us, that you are willing to humbly lay yourself down, all of your wants, all your desires, and you said they're worth it to me. So as you go to battle for us tonight, we're going to say we're going to battle for you, Lord. We're going to break through. We see that we're in a war. We're in in the midst of it that Satan is doing everything he can to pull us to his side, to tempt us to believe and think that the winning side is on his side. Uh Uh-uh, that's not what the word of God says. So Lord, we cling to the word and we say tonight we're gonna be trench diggers. We're gonna dig in. And for some of you that might just be right now, just saying, Lord, say this in your heart, Lord, forgive me of my sin. I receive you and I accept you as Lord of my life. And I proclaim that you are the son son of God, that you died and you rose again for me. So tonight I choose to live for you. I choose to go to battle for you. I choose to fight for you. Lord, I lay down my pride and I draw in near to you. Help me to link arms with my sisters in Christ so that I can have strength because I feel weak. And I need to lean into them because they're leaning into you and you are our source of strength and of power. Lord, help us to see what's going on spiritually so that we would recognize that this is a spiritual battle that we need to take seriously because our souls are at stake. Would we have eyes to see it, ears to hear it, and hearts to believe it. Lord, we love you. Would you minister to us tonight? Would you speak to our hearts? Would you shift the culture of this room tonight? We love you, and we pray these things in your name. Amen. Amen.